Chapter 29. Before Luke had a chance to move, Jen's dad had picked him up and thrust him into the closet. There's a secret door at the back, he hissed. Use it. Luke groped blindly, fighting through what he felt what felt like piles of hair. Behind him, he could hear Jen's dad yelling, I'm coming, I'm coming. That's a $12,000 door. If you break it down, you're going to pay. Then Luke heard the computer making its beep, 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 and Jen's dad muttering, fine time for them to discover efficiency. Come on, come on, connect. The pounding at the door grew louder, and a gruff voice yelled out, you have three seconds, George. Luke dug deeper into the closet. He couldn't even find the back wall, let alone any secret door, and then he heard a splintering sound from the front of the house. Seconds later, there were stomping footsteps in the computer room. What is the meaning of this? It was Jen's dad's voice coming from the hall, full outrage. If he hadn't witnessed it himself, Luke never would have guessed that Jen's dad had been crying only moments before. He sounded too forceful, too assured, too confident that he was right and anyone who opposed him was wrong. The stomping stopped. From deep inside the closet, Luke heard someone snicker. Caught you with your pants down, eh, George? Yes, yes, very funny, Jen's father replied, not sounding the least bit amused. There was a sound that could have been a zipper being zipped. Has it come to this? A man can't even go to the bathroom without his door being broken down by a bunch of morons with power complexes. And you will pay for that door, I assure you. If Luke had been one of the population police, Jen's dad would have scared him to pieces. Luke would have backed out muttering, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He never would have believed that Jen's dad was hiding a third child. Hopefully, Luke paused in his burrowing into the Talbot's closet. But the voice that answered Jen's father carried only the slightest edge of doubt. Come off it, George. You know we're entitled to search and seizure. We have reports of that computer being used for illegal purposes just a half an hour ago. You're even bigger fools than I thought, Jen's dad answered. Don't any of you read your memos? I reported to Central Command this morning that I was going to continue my sting operation in the illegal chat rooms. See, I wrote, where's Jen? And hello, is anybody there? Which is what some lost, confused third child who missed the rally might write. Are you so low-ranking that you don't know I was pretending to be the guerrilla leader Jen all along? Did you miss the, com the commendation ceremony where I was rewarded for the disposal of 40 illegals? Luke wondered that Jen's dad could say her name without his voice giving him away. If Luke didn't know Jen, hadn't known her, he corrected himself with a wince. And if he didn't know how much she trusted her father, he would have been certain that Jen's father had double-crossed her. As it was, his head swam with the fear that Jen's father still might betray him. How could he trust anyone who spoke so coldly of the disposal of third children? Luke struggled on through the closet, reaching a stack of blankets at the back. Finally, he touched the wall, but everything he felt was smooth. Jen's father said there was a door. There had to be a door. The voices from outside the closet were muffled now. See the memo? I'm sure it's on your desk back at the office with all the paperwork you never read. Jen's dad raised his voice so Luke could hear him clearly. Or can you even read? The population police officer ignored the insult. Show us on the computer. Very well. Luke prayed that Jen's dad had something to show them. He could not find the door through, though he ran his fingers along the wall again and again. His heart was beating so loudly, he was sure the population police could hear him. All he could hear of the population police and Jen's father were mutterings. Then, the one officer's voice rang out. You're lying, George. We're going to search. Just because of a computer malfunction? Fine. It's not my problem. Luke was stunned by the indifference in Jen's father's voice, but when you don't find anything, and you won't, you know that I'm entitled to the illegal search and seizure benefits granted to barons, and I will press charges. Should I use the extra money on caviar or champagne? Aw, oh, George, you wouldn't really sue. You don't think so? Then go ahead, start here. Suddenly, the closet was flooded with light. Luke stifled the gasp. How could Jen's father have flung open the door of the very place Luke was hiding? Desperately, Luke yanked a blanket over his head. 
None of the population police answered Jen's father, but the pattern of shadows that fell on Luke's blanket made him think that the population police were standing right in the doorway of the closet. He heard hangers scraping against the metal bar, and then the population police walked away. Confused and terrified, Luke remained huddled under the blanket. He could hear muffled footfalls elsewhere in the house and was certain they'd be returning to the computer room any minute. Before they killed him, he hoped they'd let him go back to his parents and tell him how much he loved them. He could apologize to Matthew Mark II for not appreciating the checkers <laughs> and card games they played with him when he knew they'd rather be outside. And probably he should apologize to his parents for disobeying and coming to Jen's house in the first place. Except, even scared to death of being found, he couldn't scrape up full regret for that. Anyhow, it wasn't likely that they'd let him see his parents before they kill him. He'd have to protect his parents and refuse to even reveal who they were. Luke's mind was still racing with frantic plans. When he heard someone coming back to the computer room, there was only one set of footsteps, so he dared to hope. You could have swept up the glass on your way out. It was Jen's dad. Luke strained to hear an answer, but none came. Were the population place gone? Luke kept his head down. He heard Jen's dad wading into the closet. Then he pulled the blanket off Luke and clamped his hand over Luke's mouth. Luke started to struggle until he read the words on the paper. Jen's dad held in front of his face. They're gone. You're safe, but don't talk. Luke relaxed and nodded to show he would obey. Jen's dad released him, flipped the paper over, and began writing furiously. House bugged now. Luke gave Jen's dad a puzzled loop. He started to say, then remembered and stopped. He took the pen from Jen's dad and wrote, Bugged? Ants? Roaches? Jen's dad shook his head frantically. Bugs equal little listening devices. Population police hear everything. That's why I can't talk. They do what that when a bus is unsuccessful. Even left one bug on me. Jen's dad turned around and pointed, and Luke saw a small disc sticking to the back of his collar. Luke frowned and wrote on the paper. Why not take off? Jen's dad shook his head. Safer this way. Long as they think they hear everything, they won't come back. Jen's dad pointed to the hairy lumps on the hangers behind him. Bribed them with fur coats. Very rare, very valuable. Luke looked at the coats. There did seem to be a lot fewer of them now. Were they animal skins? Why would anyone want such a thing? He couldn't ask, though, because Jen's dad was already scribbling more. Just bought time. My goose probably cooked now. I didn't file that memo. They'll find out. Luke reached for the pen. What will they do to you? Jen's dad shook his head. Don't know. I've survived this kind of thing before, but everything's chancy now. The fact they got here so fast, they have it in for me. Weakly, Luke leaned his head back against the closet wall. That reminded him of his frantic search along its surface. He reached for the paper and wrote, Where's the door? Jen's dad pulled out a new sheet of paper, shaking his head. He wrote, Isn't one. Just wanted you to go to the back of the closet. Luke buried his face into in his hands. Jen's dad was a good liar. There was no doubt about that. How could Luke trust him? Luke raised his head and watched as Jen's dad scribbled something else on the paper. His expression was full of concern, and Luke knew, somehow, that he was trustworthy. He easily could have turned Luke in and gotten praise in another commendation ceremony, but how confusing to never know when someone was lying. Jen's dad turned the paper to face Luke and said, So want fake RD or no? Luke gulped. After a minute, he wrote back, Am I safe if I don't? Jen's dad seemed to be weighing the question. He narrowed his eyes and wrote, Probably. They're after me now, not you. If they really thought there was an illegal here, they would take bribe. Or... They wouldn't take the bribe, or would take it, and you too. But I'd advise, get ID. Luke wrote back, can I wait, think about it for a while. That was what Luke wanted, or not even to think, but to hide from thinking for a while. He wanted to remember Jen and grieve for her by himself. He didn't want to have to think about what parts of the population law were good and what parts were bad, or why his family didn't have more money. He didn't want to have to figure out Jen's dad and other people like him who could pretend to be so many different things. 
He didn't want to have to decide something now that could change the rest of his life. But Jen's dad had written back, don't know, maybe case of now or never. Luke scrawled, why? Jen's dad wrote for a long time, then he turned the paper to Luke. It said, I have power now, tomorrow, probably, next week, next year, can't tell with our government. Favored lackey one day, persona non grata the next. Never know, no guarantees. Luke stared at the paper until the words blurred together. He had to decide, now. He thought about reading and daydreaming in the attic the rest of his life. His parents were kind to him, even if they weren't around much. And as much as Matthew and Mark had always teased him, he was pretty sure they would take care of him if his parents couldn't someday. His life was very limited. He understood that now more than ever, but he was used to it. It was safe. He could make himself be happy, except Luke remember how bored he'd felt before meeting Jen, how desperate he'd been to do something, anything, besides read and daydream. He'd been so desperate that he'd risked his life for the chance of meeting another third child. Did he want to spend the rest of his life feeling that desperate? Did he want to just waste it? But even if he got a fake ID, what would he do? The answer was there instantly, as if he'd known it all along, and his brain was just waiting for him to come looking. He could do something to help other third children, come out of hiding, not with another big dramatic rally like Jen had tried or finding fake IDs the way Jen's dad did. Maybe there was something smaller and slower he could do, studying ways to grow more food so no one would go hungry, no matter how many kids people had, or changing the government so that farmers were allowed to raise pigs or use hydroponics and ordinary people, not just parents, could have better lives. Or figuring out ways for people to live in outer space so they wouldn't be too crowded on earth and chop down beautiful woods just for houses. He didn't know exactly what he could do, how he could do those things or even what the right thing to do was, but he wanted to do something. He remembered what he told Jen the last time he'd seen her. It's people like you who change history. People like me, we just let things happen to us. And he'd believe it. That was how his family had always lived. But maybe not. That was wrong. Maybe he could succeed where Jen had failed precisely because he wasn't a baron, because he didn't have her sense that the world owed him everything. He could be more patient, more cautious, more practical. But he'd never be able to do anything staying in hiding. He bit his lip. His head, his hand shook as he wrote his answer. I want a fake ID, please.